Hello and welcome to a very special and exciting episode of the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. Uh, it's taken me 432 attempts to actually get the name right, so let's roll with this one. My name is Dan, with me as always to keep me in trouble and uh, out of order is my dear friend Sarah. Hi Sarah. Hello, but I'm not the only one we have today. No, we are attempting for the very first time to actually talk to someone else rather than just shout over the top of each other. Would you care to introduce our guest? Yes, our guest today is Amber Pierce. Um, you probably know Amber from her amazing social net media extravaganzas, but she is also a cyclist for Diodora Pastazara, where you'll see her in Georgia Bronzini's sprint train. Um, she is. She started off as a, as a national level swimmer in the USA, swimming on a swimming scholarship at Stanford. Um, she's got a MSc in complicated environmental problems. She's a fantastic pro cyclist, Amber Pierce. Hi, Amber. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me, you guys. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for uh, making some time to talk to a couple of weirdos from the internet. We appreciate it. <laughs> well, actually, that, that's, a, that's a little unfair. Sarah's not, not really a weirdo from the internet. It's a lot of fun to talk to you guys. <laughs> well, it has been so far, but we'll see how it goes. That's yes. more like it. <laughs> um, if you've ever heard our podcast or read our blog at prowomenscycling.com, then you'll know that we are massive fans of Amber. Um, not just for her riding, but for her really impressive social media and her passion. Good for question. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my line. It's infectious. I mean, how could I not? The best bit, no one even asked a question. That's how good a line it is. <laughs> so um, Amber, Amber blogs at the triplecranksets.com and she was also spent the Giro Don, which is like the hardest race for women by so much. Um, she'd ride up these ridiculous Italian mountains in ridiculous summer heat and then she'd stop and come back to the hotel and have a massive amount of massive cycling work and then she talked to us on Q&A's online for any fan who fancied it where she'd answer any question we asked so yeah we love it and on top <laughs> of that one of uh, my favourite uh, things about Amber's recent work is that she's been writing more recently about the interaction between cyclists and cycling teams and the nebulous world of marketing which is um, an interesting cross-section of things that, that I work in and am interested in. So I've been really uh, impressed by her initiatives, including what I think is, um, I believe when I first heard about it, my exact words were, fucking genius idea, click through Thursday. <laughs> you guys are going to give me a big head here. I'm, I'm blushing already. So... <laughs> <laughs> Start off by telling, and I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard of Click Through Thursday. I mean, it is the inaugural <laughs> Click Through Thursday right now. Could you, um, could you just start off by telling us a bit about Click Through Thursday? Yeah, it's um, this is just an idea that I, I came up with over a few of the Q and A sessions because we, you know, had a lot of fans coming in and and being really excited about the sport, being really excited about the racing. And of course, at the end of every session, I got, you know, a couple of people asking, well, what can we do to support women cycling? What can we do to support the athletes and the teams that we see out there and that we'd like to see more of? 
And a really simple thing that people can do is just, you know, to follow the athletes that they want to, that they enjoy, uh, to follow the teams, to like their pages on Facebook. Because what these things do is they increase um, what we call quantitative return on investment for sponsors. So a team can actually go to their sponsor and say, hey, we put your logo on our website with a link to your product or your service. And because of our team, we were able to increase traffic to your website or increase sales or whatever that is. And it's it's those numbers. It's being able to tell that story in numbers. We increased your sales by X percent or we increased your traffic by so many clicks per day. Um, that is really valuable to sponsors in terms of marketing. And so this is something really simple that everyone can do. And I found myself giving this advice on multiple occasions um, on the Q&A sessions, but also in the comment sections on my blog. And, you know, one thing led to another. And, of course, I'm out riding my bike when I get all my ideas for how to save the world. <laughs> and it dawned on me that why not, instead of handing this advice out piecemeal to random people who happen to ask, but why not make it an organized effort? Because it's really something very simple that if we all get together once a week um, – and take a few minutes, you know, everybody just take three or four minutes and click through the websites, blogs, um, Facebook pages, Twitter feeds, whatever it happens to be, of uh, the athletes, the programs, the teams that, that you really want to see more of and that you want to support. Um, we can actually really seriously impact uh, the, the return on investment that the sponsors are seeing in, on their investment in the sport. And so that was really kind of how it came about. And um, I just picked Thursday because it had some alliteration with through, <laughs> so it's <was> click through <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> it's a little bit catchier than I guess click through Monday. Um, and plus, but, nobody wants to click on anything on a Monday. On a Monday, we all just no. hate the world. That's just how it exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it gives us all a little something to look forward to. <laughs> so we're approaching Friday, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, the weekend's nearly here. I can click on things again. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I when I when I put the the idea out there in a blog entry it was really just it was is it was really just kind of a well we'll see you know maybe a few people get into it but the the response was really overwhelming and what it made me realize that is that at this point in time with everything that's going on in cycling fans are really craving a way to make their voices heard and to be more engaged and this is a way that people can in a way it's kind of it's kind of like voting for your favorite writers and teams because you just go in and you click, and, and in some ways it's anonymous, but um, you, you really are having a, a truly concrete impact on um, these sponsors' investments mm. in the sport, and it's it, it really does help. Mm. Um, mm. I think Velovif posted the other day a, a statistic on how many click-throughs were on the um, – the article that Velo News posted about awarding Mariana Voss Cyclist of the Year. And that was brilliant because she wasn't just female Cyclist of the Year. She was Cyclist of the Year. Yeah. And that oh, yeah. was that's a really, really big deal. And that that article got so many click-throughs speaks volumes. And so th this kind of quantitative feedback, these click-throughs, uh, they really have a lot of value. Yep, and, and you're absolutely right. They've got value at, at every level too because I think one of the things that, that has possibly been um, difficult to, to understand um, in the past hasn't just been for sponsors but also even perhaps for teams not being able to afford to have a staff member who can be fully focused on these sorts of interactions and stuff like that as well but all the way through to media companies you know we've all heard that circular argument about well we don't cover women's sport because no one reads it um, or, or whatever 
and it starts to change that entire um, you know mindset. But it also, and this is why I love it, because to me, it, it's just such a complete idea. It's simple, it's direct action, it has a really um, measurable, literally measurable impact across every aspect of, of the, the chain of, of fan and, and uh, sport interaction uh, with media companies and with teams and riders. But also... Um, it, it's actually genuinely useful. You know, I had a lot of fun. I got home from work yesterday afternoon uh, because we're so far ahead of the rest of the world that by the time you were up for Click Through Thursday, we'd had Thursday. Um, <laughs> but but it was really cool because I came home and, and um, tooled around on the internet for an hour or so just clicking on links. And yeah, like a lot of the stuff I'd already seen and been aware of, but you know, there's a couple of new things in there and it was really... You know, it's a great way to actually find new and different things. So, it's the complete package. Well done. Right. There was actually a very cool comment on the article that I originally wrote about Click Through Thursday, uh, which pointed out s some additional benefits to it, which I hadn't even really thought about. But um, one of those is is that it it offers a forum for fans to be networking with one another. And even today was the first time that we did the Click Through Thursday, and it was so inspiring and motivating to click on that hashtag and see how many cool programs are out there. I mean, I can't tell you how many uh, grassroots women's cycling programs popped up and, and um, in the links that people were posting. And it's really, it's a cool thing because it generates this really positive momentum. Like, you know, you put your links up there on the programs that you're interested in and then you click on the hashtag and you check out what what's important to other people. And all of a sudden you see how much... Uh, people around the world are doing and it's cool to see the shift you know as the time zone changes you know shifting from like eurocentric links and then moving over to links that were popping up from north america and then of course this morning as you guys were finishing your thursday we had some coming up from australia too and it's a really cool way to connect with um, other fans and other programs that are out there that we don't really even know about yet so um mm -hmm. just that collective momentum i think is a huge benefit to this that that I, I saw even today, which was the first time that we did it. Mm, mm. And it's, I think, being a community of fans, that's the other thing, because when I started writing and tweeting about stuff, um, especially around the world in the Olympics, this always happens, where people go, oh, who should I be supporting? And then someone will go, oh, ask pigeons. And I'll go, yeah, tell me, because I have this joke, this thing about, tell me the kind of riders you like on the men's side, and I'll tell you the equivalent women's rider. And they get oh, very yes, excited. That was a brilliant it. series. <laughs> thank you but it's but you know what I mean it's like people don't know where to go for information as well and yeah. and if you don't so click through Thursdays just gives you that it gives you that and it shows that we can work together and we're connected and especially when the men's side is so disparate and so uh, it, it feels like it's pushing me away as a fan you know that I'm a nuisance yeah, so so it's really it's really nice to feel and as a, and as you say when everything's so negative just to do some little clicking, three minutes of clicking or using the hashtag and I should say the hashtag is hash click through thurs, which is spelt the American way, <laughs> t h r u thurs. We'll put a link to it on our blog. But um, yeah, we just you just it's so so nice to be doing something positive. And here in Europe, it's cold, it's dark, it's winter, it's horrible. 
and yet we're just all making each other smile. We're adding joy to the world. <laughs> which is right. which is what it's all about. We'll we'll know though that Click Through Thursday has really succeeded and and achieved you know more than anyone could ever have dreamed when we get to the point where. Um, all the media outlets are releasing stories on Wednesday night and teams are pushing out press releases on Wednesday morning. (laughs) That'll be brilliant. In the hope of being picked up for click-through Thursdays. (laughs) Actually, it it works really well as well because once the racing season's coming up, we can be click-through Thursday, whatever the race is next. You know, the um, Rabo Stare, for example. You know, click-through Thursday at Rabo Stare, at uh, Richie Steege to follow the race, etc., etc., well, and that's quite nice as well. What I'm really think- looking forward to, actually, seriously, as the season starts, is that we're going to get a great mix of um, fan-generated content as well as all the the team stuff. Because you know that's when you know you go to the race and you you tag your photos on Flickr and click through Thursdays one of your tags and and stuff like that too. It, it, I'm really excited about the growth of. Um, you know, like Amber was saying, this this growing understanding of all of the programs and people and and fans and and actually how big this group is. We're part yeah, of something yeah. big, you know. Yeah, that's that's one of the really uh, that's one of the major themes that that's that's important to me about the sport is the inclusiveness of the sport. Cycling is unlike many other sports, wherein really you can ride a bike any level of fitness and almost any level of health. I mean, it's... I can prove it's that. really... <laughs> it's, you know, there are other sports where you have to kind of... I mean, for me, for example, I, I kind of got into cycling, actually, because I was such a terrible runner. And for me, with running, you know, nothing against running. I think it's a wonderful sport. But it seems to me that you kind of have to have some level of fitness before you can enjoy it. Whereas with cycling, you, you really don't need to. You can just get on a bike and pedal around and, and enjoy it. And... Um, I think that's one of the things that bothers me a little bit sometimes is there's this perception that professional cycling is a very um, elitist sport, and, and it's not at all. In fact, the, the athletes are extremely accessible to, to the fans and, and to, to anyone, really. And I, I would really like um, to, 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 to make that point a little bit more strongly especially and that's one of the things i like about the click through thursdays it's it's completely inclusive you know everybody is welcome to post we want we want to have um connection among this within this huge community and and make everybody feel included and it's not just about making people feel included you are included i mean when you're clicking through you might kind of second guess it and think well does this really actually matter but it does it really you know by the numbers and and Dan this is you you know this because this is what you do for a living I mean you can back me up here this is the stuff that is going to is going to help drive um the marketing behind the scenes it's completely untrue all marketing decisions are made by <laughs> insane people who are on drugs and drunk um. but that's just australia in general <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolutely true, and um, particular. I mean, you know, this is the this is the the very real impact in the business world of moving into the digital era. Um, and Google was the first company to really drive this. Is that it's so much easier to measure everything, and so then you can work with actual data, and the information that you get from it is much more relevant and meaningful. Um, and that's that's where the business world is at, and that's where marketing is driven literally by actual actions and that's why something as simple as a click 
may sound at first like it's too simple and too meaningless to, to actually count, it's literally counted and it does count and it means quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely the message that we want to get across to people is by doing this, even for three or four minutes in the day, you are personally connecting with the sport and making a concrete impact. Mm, absolutely. And that's, and that's, I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Amber, actually, was, uh, you know, sometimes it can feel very depressing being a women's cycling fan because, you know, you can, you can really easily, if you want to, you can get really caught up in no one cares, I'm constantly fighting. And then that's why I started blogging in, way back in the first place to kind of get away from that, from myself. And, but it really feels like, unlike the men's side, we can shape the sport. <laughs> you know, we, you know, we're riders on Twitter. I mean, I remember back in the day, it used to be Vicky Whitelaw's blog and Liz Hatch's Twitter that told us what was happening in races. And, you know, someone like Mariana Voss will reply to, you know, Mariana Voss will reply to fans and retweet fans who, who share who share fun stuff. But we and you as riders and us as fans, we can we can change it. And I mean, how do you fit? How does is that is that something that you that, that, that impacts on you as well? Or is it exciting or terrifying? <laughs> it's incredibly motivating i i just um a couple of the the comments that i got on the last few articles i did on triple cranks that were super motivating because they were fans that were telling me that they've been passionate supporters of the sport for a long time but they've they've until now felt like they had no voice and and they didn't know how to direct that enthusiasm um in a way that would that would really make a difference and um it was incredibly gratifying to me to know that you know what I'd written had actually made an impact for these people, and 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 I've seen some of that feedback on Twitter too. And, and honestly, I, I actually got a little bit choked up the other night <laughs> reading some of the stuff because you know this is this is really um, it's so powerful. And it's you know it's 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 really it's about the sport, and and I've always said um, you know it's. It's a sport that involves a lot of really competitive people, and that's just the nature of it. We're athletes. We're competitive. I'm competitive, too. But you have to step back and look at the big picture and and really take a moment to appreciate that if you're doing something that's going to make the whole pie bigger, everybody's piece gets bigger, including yeah. yours. And so if everyone is focused on just making their little slice bigger, we lose out on this huge potential for making everything bigger for everyone. And that's um, that's really what I think this is starting to do, and I would really like to see it take hold and, and do even more. And and those kinds of comments to me are are so meaningful because that's what this is all about. It's about getting people involved, sharing the joy of bicycles, and making the pie bigger for everyone. It's not you know and. and of course, I'm a woman's cyclist, and, and women's cycling is really important to me, and I'd really like to see this help women's cycling in particular, but I don't want to be exclusive to men's cycling or paracycling or you know whatever else is out there because, uh, again, it's about the whole pie. It's about the whole picture, and this is a sport that is open and accessible to everyone, and that's that's really what makes it so beautiful in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you see um, the the Paris the paracyclists just blow my mind anyway. But when you see um, you know Karen Dark who broke her back um, in a rock climbing accident is able to cy- ride hand cycling, or the different levels of you know the different levels that people that people are at, or riding on tricycles, you know, ca- um, yeah, Car- Carol Cook, the, the you know the Australian 
who won the gold medal in the time trial riding mm. her her tricycle. It really is. You know, I've got a friend with MS and she rides her trike because it really is we really all can do it. And it's you know, it's it's just that's just that's beautiful. It's beautiful, man. It is. <laughs> And on that note, I think it is about time for us to start talking about the beauty of cycling. Um, you know, as, as much as I could turn this into Dan's hour of nerd power and, and continue to talk about marketing. Um, Amber, how would you uh, categorize your 2012 season? Oh, <laughs> probably in that one word, oof. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Um, so, what's your favorite beer? <laughs> um, well, no, I, I should I should say a little bit more than one word. I don't know. It summed a lot up for me. I don't know. I don't think it was even a word. Oof. <laughs> it's kind of a non-word, isn't it? It's just like, what, onomatopoeia? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, um, we have a joke about um, in my house about things being non-syllabic. Like it's one step monosyllabic. That was a non-syllabic response there. <laughs> well, no, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about. I mean, I'll, and when I say this, this is you know my season personally. So this doesn't you know really reflect on the season uh, for the team per se, and sure. and that's a big part of it too. Is when you're part of a team, you're you're doing your own. Um, you know, everybody's doing their own training and everyone has personal goals, but your goals are always part of the larger picture of, of what's going on for mm. the team. And so keep that in mind as I talk about this. But for me personally, um, it was it was a really hard season and I was trying a little bit something new with training. And, and that's kind of the way it goes with training sometimes is is you're you always want to try something new because you want to bring yourself up a level from the year before and um, usually you have to you have to change something or, or do something a little bit differently to see yep. see a difference and and the hope is then that you'll see a positive difference and so I tried a little bit something different this year and um, I think what ended up happening is um, it resulted in in pretty serious overtraining and I had um, it was actually a very stressful year off the bike as well. Um, not to get too personal, but my father-in-law passed away in March while I was at the tour of El Salvador. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge blow. And that's one of the things that people don't really realize. Sometimes I think is, um, physiologically your body responds to emotional stress the same way that it responds to physical stress. And, and that's with, you know, producing stress hormones. And I could go into the whole hormone cascade if you want, but I'm not going to bore everybody with that. Um, but the, the short, the short end of that is that no matter what kind of stress you have in your life, it's contributing to a sum total, whether that's mental, emotional, or physical stress. Mm. And as athletes, we have to account for all of those. And it's not just as athletes. This goes for everybody. Um, if you're somebody who's you know, training for uh, a century coming up and you're trying to juggle life and um, you know, work and family life as well, you really have to account for all of that stress. And you have to take time to recover from all of it. And I didn't really account for what a toll – um, these off the bike stresses were taking on me. And then at the same time, I had really increased the intensity of my physical training. And this being kind of a trial and error thing, um, the end result was I was pretty much overtrained. And probably if I'm looking back on it, I would say I was probably overtrained as early as March or April of this year and kept going because. Wow 
you have a you have a contractual agreement, and um, you you don't want to let your team down. You know, mm -hmm. it's the contract, but it's not just about the job because you know we're here for each other, and you, you develop this bond with your teammates, and you feel a deep personal responsibility to that, and and you want to live up to that. So it's like. You know, I'm digging myself a hole, but at the same time, I have a race coming up, and I want to get there, and I want to be there, and be able to contribute to the team effort. So, the, the hardest thing for an athlete to do is say, actually, maybe I'll perform better if I do a little bit less. And that was, that was basically what what did me in. And so, at the end of the season, I was I was really a wreck. I I didn't want to touch my bike. I and that's not normal for me. I'm generally a very motivated person, and so for, for me, that's a huge red flag, um, but I just ignored it for most of the season, and then by the end of the season, um, I really just needed to walk away and not touch the bike for a while, and after a few weeks of rest, I went in to see my doctor and got some blood work done, and sure enough, I mean, it was, it was, I was a mess, <laughs> so, <laughs> and that, then it was very quantitatively clear that I'd been overtrained for a good, good long time, so... Uh, at this point in time now, it's it's on the one hand, it's really frustrating because I feel like it was a hard. It, it sucks that I had to learn that lesson the hard way. But at the same time, as with any trial and error, even if the trial ends up in error, you learn something. So it was a really important lesson to learn. And and if anybody out there who's listening can can learn from my mistakes, um, don't underestimate the stress in your life and be sure that you account for all of it because it all affects you and and this isn't just you know this goes for training for athletes but this goes for everybody in their normal lives mm. too i mean we all strive for that balance right which is you know the ongoing joke that it's just never going to happen but um you know we got to try and do the best we can yeah yeah and how did your team i mean it's interesting because you're still you're riding for the same team next year aren't you so yeah. they they obviously it's obviously not been a because i guess the problem must be as well with you know, with the men's rate, with the men's sport in the way it is, you know, one bad ride, you know, one bad season and you're off. Yeah. So that must be quite, that must be quite, that must, does that feel um, empowering or help you or, or am I talking bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you know, it is encouraging because um, I actually did, I talked with a lot of my teammates towards the end of the season as, as I started slowly realizing just how much of a, I dug for myself, um, which is a great thing because your your teammates see you and they see you throughout the season. And, and my teammates had some really wonderful feedback because they noticed things in me that I didn't even notice. And you know, when I sat down and asked them about it, they were really honest and open about it. And I had a long talk with Diana at the, the end of the season too. And, and Diana Zalute, she's um, She's amazing, and, and she's been a, a great director, and, and um, she has a lot of experience to draw on, and of course she saw me throughout the season too, so it was it was nice to be able to get the feedback and, and some advice even from my teammates and, and from um, the staff, and um, the the in the big picture, I was still able to contribute to the team, so they still, you know, despite the fact that for me personally, it was, I didn't live up to what I had hoped my performance would be. Uh, the performance that I was able to give was still helpful to the team, and and obviously they, they find my presence valuable enough to, to take a risk on me for another year. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping again. Yeah, this having learned this lesson to, to to apply that in the future, and that's one of the things that we talked about for my calendar coming up this year too. So they're taking that into consideration, cool. and I'm going to 
towards this lower build into this season, and and um, which will be different because it requires again it's it's about managing expectations. So mm. I'm that they're on the same page with me, and it's gonna the hard part for me is is going to be uh, for me to manage my own expectations of myself coming what? into this season to be a little bit slower. I imagine that that's a, a difficult kind of discipline too. Uh, I mean, like you were saying, uh, as a competitive athlete, um, it's really hard to, to rest yourself. Um, it must be one of the more challenging things to to try for that slow build than to, to I imagine, I could be completely wrong, but to, to go all out and try and build a big, strong base and just dominate all year. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know... It's. I think one of the hardest things for any athlete is to remember that you're on your own path. And what you need as an athlete personally is going to be very different from what the athlete next to you needs. And so, you know, in, in this age of social media, sometimes it can be really easy to torture oneself by going and clicking on the updates of all these other athletes and seeing, you know, what workouts they did, what the weather is like, where they're training, and, and then comparing what you're doing because what they're doing doesn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily be a good thing for you and and what you need in your path Mm. and uh, that's a constant challenge for us and and i'm i'm not afraid to admit it i i definitely struggle with that and i i have many friends who (laughs) struggle with well um i'm not just saying that to make myself feel better (laughs) (laughs) it's okay if you are though i mean we're not gonna judge um, just quickly before before um, Sarah asks a, a useful and important question, um, have you touched your bike again yet? Because it, it misses you. <laughs> that sounds a little bit creepy, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> then I have done my job. <laughs> oh, no, yes. <laughs> to answer your question, I've been back on the bike now for a while, and it's been really great because I, I took a good, long much needed break and what i've found is that every single, every time i've been on my bike for the you know for the past few weeks that i've been training at least once or twice per ride i think man i'm glad to be on my bike i'm just so glad to be right where i am doing exactly what i'm doing and that's that's the feeling that i was missing and that's the feeling that's normal for me so it was really a nice relief to feel that again and to that's how I, I know that I'm I'm on the right track and, and moving in the right direction. Oh, I'm so pleased. No, because your love <laughs> of your bike is I think that's I think that's one of the things I noticed about you first, like way, way back when I first started following you, was you just sounded like you loved it so much. And it's an interesting thing being a being a domestique and being a team centered person rather than a you know, rather than a time trialist or a mountain goat or something who's you know, it's just it's lovely. Your love of your bike is just one of the things I that just makes me happy because <laughs> oh, that's why we love cycling we love our bikes <laughs> exactly and that's what i'm talking about it's that it's that happy feeling that you get as soon as you get on two wheels that that is accessible to everybody like everybody remembers the first time they got on their bike when they were a little kid and and it's it's awesome that feeling just doesn't go away you know it doesn't matter how old you get you get on a bike you start rolling around and it's just like an instant smile and that's how it should be Everything's better on two wheels. I tried to fix the Olympics this year doing exactly that. Dan did an idea of every sport on two wheels. And I, I've got to say, the man's either insane or a genius, one oh, or the other. Come on, come on. Cyclist pole vault? Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> so, 
So absurdities aside, um, I wanted to ask you, um, how did your team, because one of the things that was interesting about your Q&As, so as I said, Amber did about seven Q&As over the period of the 10-day Girodon. Uh, and they were live question. They were live video things hosted on Diodora Pastazara's website. And did the team mind? Because I can imagine that some teams would be like, "What the hell are you doing? You should be asleep, or you should be putting your legs up." Was was that ever a problem? Or <laughs> um, no, you know, because the the confu- There's so much. Excuse me. There's so much going on after the race. There's so much to be done. So the, the staff basically drops the team off at the hotel, and you're on your own. Um, the the swanyers come in and they end up, they start doing massage right away, and then of course the mechanics and the the directors are maybe going and driving the course the next morning, or they're sorting logistics for the next day, and then the mechanics are working on the bikes. So the riders are for by and large on their own, and and you're just trusted to make sure that you're you're getting the recovery that you need. And I'm I'm a talker, so talking comes pretty easily to me. So <laughs> it was relaxing enough for me to just sit there and, and, and chat with you guys because um, it's it's not too hard but yeah it was just a matter of making sure that I had an internet connection and um, timing it around dinner that was the main thing was making sure that if we had a team meeting um, that, I, that I didn't miss team dinner and that I didn't miss a team meeting um, after dinner so it was always a matter of on the way back after the stage talking to one of the staff and making sure that I knew what the schedule was going to be and making sure that I had a block of time um, where it wouldn't be too tight and, and I wouldn't be, um, you know, jeopardizing any team responsibilities. So it wasn't possible to do every day because, again, it, it's it's a little bit nutty. After the stages, you just you, we usually had these big, long transfers and you didn't know if you were going to be in the car for an hour or three hours and mm-hmm. you didn't know if it was going to be at 8 or 9.30. So it was like every day was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that added to the charm, though, because it did, it felt like by the end of it, we had a little community of people who we'd never met before. And, you know, so there's obviously people who know you personally. And then there's people who just, who I know on Twitter, and then there's people who just appear. And that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really cool thing is is there are, now there are people that I know by their Twitter handle that I've never met in my in real life. Well, you two, for example. <laughs> because you really feel like you're getting to know them and that they're becoming friends and and that that's one of the other benefits of this click through thursday that i'd I'd like to see happening on a bigger scale too so um i'm also hoping to grow the q a's a little bit more i think next week what we're going to try i'm working with glacier glove on this but we're going to try to do the q a maybe on a sunday um we've been doing them on weekdays trying to catch um a good time window for to get europe and north america uh, the time zones there to overlap, but I think we're going to try for something on Sunday and see if we can get a few more people. Um, yeah. Just since it's a weekend and not a weekday. Cool. Yeah, because that's because I mean that's you know that's the comedy thing of trying to find a time to talk to Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. It is. It gets really complicated with the time zones, and and which is kind of cool because at the same time that just means that we've got people who are interested in this stuff you know who are all over the world and that's awesome it's just that's what happens with a with a global audience isn't it if someone gets screwed (laughs) yeah it's it's somewhat unfortunate and the other thing is on sunday i think there's going to be some really good good cross racing going on so i want to make sure that we schedule it at a time where we're not competing with one of these awesome cross races because um, i'll be wanting to watch those is hilarious from someone who doesn't like running (laughs) <laughs> I know. Well, 
Well, see, I like to watch. I, I love sports, and so I like to watch other people doing it. But <laughs> for me, personally, it's just a complete disaster. I have this mental disconnect anyway. Why, why, why do you pick your bike up and run? I mean, there's a simple solution here: hop on the bike. It, it's yeah. We've had this. Dan, Dan, just yes. One day he'll get it. <laughs> Well, hey, come on. I did watch... Um, I can't... Cocksider. Cocksider, that's right. And it was pretty good. It was alright. It was better than <laughs> I thought it would be. Anyway, moving There's on. <laughs> we don't have any Cross fans that listen to this podcast. They listen to it once and it's gone. You've got to go see a Cross race live, though, because the whole atmosphere at a Cross race is so different from really any other discipline and it's so fun not to say that road racing atmosphere isn't fun too but it's just in its own way it has a completely different character and um it was a lot of fun seeing the cross races in california when i was first starting out as a cyclist but living over in europe it's been really cool too because david and i'll just drive up to the czech republic and we'll check out some of the world cups there and like last year we got to go see um katarina nash who's actually czech she lives um, in Truckee, which is just outside of my hometown of Reno, Nevada. So she and I would um, go head-to-head against each other, actually, at the Tour de Nez year after year. And it was really fun because she's a great competitor, and we ended up being you know, pretty good friends after that and kept in touch. And So it was really special to go up to, to the Czech in Tavor last year and see her win the World Cup. And when you're there in person and, and you're watching the race live, I mean, I, I guess it's like that with any sport is, is being able to see it in person is is the best. But I'd really encourage you to get out and at least check out one one cross race live just because it's a whole different beast. And, and I think I think oh. that would really... I'm totally, totally willing to do that. Also with track, because I've been reliably informed that there's a steady supply of beer to be had at both. So, (laughs) this is true. This is true. (laughs) You know, which is my my major prerequisite for for all activities. (laughs) Except riding your motorbike. Well, even then, there needs to be beer at the end. At the end. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Don't don't drink and ride, people. You might spill your drink. So, <laughs> can I can I ask you what I what I love? I mean, I love the Dutch race. I'm a bit of a um, I love one of the reasons I like watching cycling is I'm a bit of a sadist in that respect. I like watching you all suffer. So, can you tell us a bit? Because when I watch the Dutch racing and it's some very flat road, cobbles, wind that's just unbelievable, bashing you around the face. And Netherland Blue attack at kilometre 12 and disappear up the road with half of specialised Lululemon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Emma Johansson. What's it actually like riding a Dutch race? It's brutal. <laughs> it's just, it is so brutal because, well, I don't know. I mean, from, I'm a bigger rider and, and so my strength is usually on flatter bits of the courses. And so you would think that you know, I would be really psyched about the flat races in Holland, and I am. Um, but they just mess with your head because you're you're going down a flat road, and you know, in your normal training, you know how fast you can go down a flat road. You've got these crazy sideways crosswinds coming at you. It's unbelievable how powerful they are, and you're sitting there and you're looking at the road, going, "I should be able to go faster than this. Why can't I go faster than this? This is ridiculous." <laughs> And it really, I mean, it just, 
it, it just messes with you and you'll you'll kind of see something happening up um you know the peloton up ahead as it starts to get strung out and you think oh i'm not that far from the front but then you you know you the, the road curves a little bit and all of a sudden you get smacked with this wind and then you realize that you know a, a 10 meter gap or or the fact that there's a rider you know 20 meters in front of you that just suddenly becomes this impossible distance whereas on any other course in any other country with any other wind it would be completely fine but um so it really it it really is it's a physical challenge but more so i think it's just it's really really hard on your head because um of these kind of mismatched expectations based on experiences on other courses of similar terrain in different countries it's just there's nothing like racing in holland it is completely its own beast awesome <laughs> Where, where's your, do you have, actually, I shouldn't just assume, but do you have a favourite country in which to race? In which to race? Jeez. Yeah. And I mean, not not from the favourite race perspective, but just like conditions, courses, terrain, all that sort of stuff, like, suits you or you particularly love? Is there is there a part of the world that you really love to race in? Man, that that's a really hard one because... I really like racing in Belgium, and I say that with the full knowledge that it's incredibly difficult, and I always suffer terribly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I do. I, the The roads are really well maintained there, and they the courses tend to be a little bit more to my to my strengths. Um, and then I think a big part of it is not just the terrain, though. It's it's the culture of racing in the country, and and in that regard, I think Belgium and Italy and Holland are brilliant because racing is huge and we we get crowds three or four deep for the women's races in these in these countries and that is awesome and it's been really fun actually being part of an italian team you know you go down there and we'll be just on a training ride with the girls and you stop in at a coffee shop and everybody is just psyched you know we had a sponsored cry which is um a grocery store chain there and i stopped on a ride by myself one day just popped in the store and Seriously, three or four of the clerks came out because they saw the Cry logo on the jersey and they were just clamoring, oh, oh, so so you're a professional? Oh, wow. And it's just this instant respect that, I don't know, it, it's a little bit different. I mean, this, in the States, cycling doesn't have quite as deep and long a history as, as in these other countries. And so it, it doesn't quite have the same instant respect. You see somebody in spandex and you think, well, they could be a weekend warrior. They could be, you know, anybody. But but I don't know. For some reason in Italy, it's just this really fun, like instantaneous level of respect that they have as soon as they know that you're professional, and, and mm. those kinds of things are really fun. Um, and it is fun that there's that, that we get that kind of spectatorship for our races. I mean, it's just it's super exciting, and and um, yeah, it just it just brings the whole thing up a level. Of, and and that is one of the things that I really love about racing in those countries in particular. Cool. Oh. <laughs> so now I want to ask what your worst country is, and I know you'll go. I can't say that they're all great. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I spent some time in Perth last January, and I had a really really good time. It was brilliant. I mean, what I couldn't believe was that every single day, starting at about four thirty in the morning, which we actually had to be on the bikes at four thirty in the morning because it was so. Hot. I mean, it was about 45 degrees Celsius by 10 a.m. It mm. was insane. So we were getting up at 4:30 to get on the bikes, and between probably 4:30 and 8 a.m., there were probably 
six different legitimate group rides that you could hop on. It was amazing. Every single day. And you, there were just group rides everywhere all the time. And it was awesome. It was it was really fun training because you never had to train alone. You could just go up on whatever group ride was happening to go by. Um, but that, that was actually a lot of fun. Very different, though. I've never been someplace where I had to be on my bike at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. It's a cruel country. We also have lots of animals that can bite you. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. We we had an Aussie teammate on on Webcore, Helen Kelly, and and we used to give her we used to take the piss quite often. <laughs> Not American expression. Just just so that she knew she was part of the team. That's great. That's right. That's good. That's how we express affection here in Australia. You know, as soon as someone's polite to you, you get suspicious. What's wrong? What happened? Why why are you being nice? I don't understand. <laughs> Fuck off. Seriously, fuck off. Tell me to fuck off. <laughs> and, and so on. Yeah. <laughs> so, which segues quite nicely, actually, because you, you ride on a lot more international teams. You started off um, riding on, when you were, came in 2010 on Kuota Speed Queens. And then last year, um, 2011, you um, rode with, with, the, with Theodora. And then you're with them again, but... How is that being an American on an Italian team? Is it is it is it weird? I suppose you know, but it's interesting that you're going for those teams rather than uh, maybe a more safer option, <laughs> a more English speaking option. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it does feel like, for example, you know, a lot of right, like like for example, a lot of riders seem to, for example, ride with Tibco and come over to the come over to Europe with Team USA, whereas it feels it must be a lot more. I know it seems, seems a lot more scary in a way, but also a lot more maybe exciting for us because of the internationalism. Well, well yeah, it's it's definitely more challenging. So I was with Webcore for two years in the states, and then I raced for Tibco for two years, and then um, uh, that was in 2009 was my last year with Tibco, and then I um, decided that I wanted to be on a more international team, and Tibco ended up going UCI a little bit after that, but I wanted to be on a more established team that was is was based more in europe because at, at the time tibco was still more u.s based and um i'd moved here and i was living in austria and i i just really felt like you know look i'm doing this i want to i want to jump in with both feet you know i don't want to have one foot in one foot out let's 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 make this happen and it's a commitment it's a full commitment because racing with quota um it was an Austrian-based team, and every weekend we were going to races and doing training camps, and um, it was a real challenge because I was taking German language classes, but in German language class, they teach you Hochdeutsch, or High German, and in Austria, no one speaks High German. Everyone <laughs> speaks an Austrian dialect, so everything I learned in class was completely useless <laughs> when it came to communicating with my teammates, um, which was actually... It ended up being a really great experience with them, though, because we developed this level of comfort where I just told them, look, you know, if, if I really don't understand something, then let's switch to English. But I really want to make this work in German and rather in the Austrian dialect. Um, so it was like every every weekend was language camp. And it was a wonderful thing because um, they were really patient with me and let me just babble on in my completely grammatically incorrect <laughs> dialect um but what it did was it made me it got me over my shyness of speaking and so i got to this point where 
okay, I have enough vocabulary that I can put together sentences. I may sound like a four-year-old, but people are going to know what I mean, and I'm not going to get so worked up about <laughs> sounding like an idiot that I'm not going to speak in the first place. And so um, getting past that that point of shyness really opened up a lot of doors, and, and that's really helped me actually in learning Italian as well because now it's like, you know, I've been there, done that. I know I sound like an idiot, and I'm completely fine with that as long as I can get my point across. And I mean, I guess I still sound like an idiot sometimes in English too. So it, it just works all, all directions. As long as they give you coffee the way you order it, it's all okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's um, it's been really great. So so racing with quota was cool, and and I think language is a huge part of it because once you once you can communicate with your teammates, and not only with your teammates, but at the grocery store, getting train tickets, you know, whatever it is, um, it really eliminates the sense of isolation because not being able to speak the language, not being able to read street signs, not being able to get yourself around using a map, um, it's really, really isolating. And that's really hard because you're already in a, in a foreign country. You're already in a situation that's outside your comfort zone. And then you add to that, that extra layer of isolation and it becomes really emotionally and mentally difficult and challenging. And it's actually mentally very exhausting sometimes, even now, um, you know, when, when you're speaking a non-native language and you're trying really hard to keep up with the conversation that's going on around you enough to be able to contribute in a timely manner. It's, it's, sometimes, <laughs> it's just exhausting. So, But it's, on the flip side of that is every once in a while, if you can keep up with the conversation quickly enough and think on your feet fast enough to actually make a joke in your non-native language and make a joke that's timely enough and funny enough that people laugh at it, that's the kind of <laughs> triumph that can get you through an entire week. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Hey guys, remember that time I made that joke in low German? <laughs> that was awesome. Let's attack. <laughs> no, you laugh, but it's so true. <laughs> no, no, I laugh out of out of sympathy. I mean, that that's where I'm at with English, so. <laughs> but I mean, cuz next year with Amber Neben joining the team, that's gonna, that must be going to be interesting, because that's going to change the dynamic again. Yeah, cause... are you guys going to wrestle to see who's Amber 1 and who's Amber 2? <laughs> yeah, but no, this Amber, we... Amber Pierce was there first, so she's clearly Amber 1. <laughs> we, we, she and I have been racing together on and off with the national team for years, and so we've, we've gone through a bunch of diff different nicknames for one another, but we've decided... This last year, we raced in El Salvador together, and since we were there, and it was a Spanish-speaking country, we decided that she was going to be Amberita, and um, there was a little bit of discussion on Twitter about what my name should be, and she emailed me a little bit after that, and she said, well, you know, a ponderosa is a, is a tall, slender pine tree, and an amberosa is a tall, slender amber. <laughs> <laughs> I think the actual translation of the suffix osa in, in Spanish means big and scary, but I'll go with <laughs> Well, that's got a certain psychological advantage anyway, so... Cool, yeah, these, take it. Yeah, our Amber Rose is about to attack, so that Amber right. can attack. And, and to, be, to be fair, that is better than what my other suggestion was going to be, which is we call one of you Am and the other one Burr, and so <laughs> then, then when we call Amber, we want both of you, so... 
<laughs> that would get really complicated on the radio. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> well, that's why we're getting rid of radios, hadn't you heard? <laughs> true, true, true. Makes it so much easier. Doesn't it? Doesn't it, though? Oh. We could talk about this for hours, but we are well aware of your time and people not having 48 hours to listen to this much as I think they should. <laughs> <laughs> so what we want to do now is ask you some quick fire questions. Um, mm-hmm. And we want you to not think about the answers, just say the first thing that comes into your head, okay? <laughs> oh, this could be scary. <laughs> so, Amber, are you ready? Quick fire uh, questions, think- yeah? I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Those questions. Okay. Number one. Who's the best rider in the Peloton? I would have to say Voss. What's your 10-minute power thingamajig? 10-minute power thingamajig. I am not even really sure what that means. Cool. Neither do we. Okay. Um, wax or shave? Legs. Shave. We're talking legs. <laughs> shave. Shave the legs. Who's your favorite rider to race against? Oh, man. That one is a really tough question. Um, shoot, I don't want to give a bunch of dead space here, but there are I, there are just way too many quality women out there to choose from. Um, but I will say that the quality in the peloton, the, the standard has been continually raised, and that makes the racing really fun and, and continually interesting. So we'll go with that for now. Okay. No, cop house, cop house not allowed. Who's your favorite race? <laughs> right, right, race against. Okay. Or who do you like? Or who do you like beating? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very different question, though. I hope. <laughs> um, what are your phobias? Oh, um, good question. I, not, I don't have any real major phobias, to be honest. I mean, just normal ones, I guess. I'd, I'd rather not die too soon. <laughs> not a very exciting answer. That's the shittest phobia I've ever heard. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? <laughs> All right, sharks or dolphins? Sharks. Favorite color? Blue. What's your favorite cheat snack? Chocolate. <laughs> and what's Didn't your least favorite? One. What's the worst food you've ever been given at a race? Well, a few years ago, we were racing La Route de France, and not anything against that race but there was an ongoing joke that basically none of the food had any color so it was like overcooked pasta boiled chicken bread and it was all white all the time (laughs) got to the point where it was just this awful running joke and it was just so bad that it was funny when you can't tell the pasta and the chicken and the bread apart (laughs) something's gone wrong that's about how it was. <laughs> what was your favorite race moment of 2012? Uh, oh, jeez. Inga Chilla Knight winning a stage with the Giro Toscana at the end of the season. That was awesome. Cool. Excellent. Um, what race do you hope you'll never have to ride ever again? <laughs> oh, man. Um... Well, I'll tell you, a really challenging race this year was the the Tour of El Salvador, just because it was so completely different from anything I've ever experienced before in my life. I mean, the heat was amazing. I mean, it was it was just it turned cycling upside down on its head for me in a way, um, in a wonderful, fun and quirky way. But it was extremely challenging, and I really didn't expect that I would 
go back for that race again. And um, as it turns out, the team is going to be heading to El Salvador, El Salvador for a training camp, and we'll be doing those races again. So not only will I be racing there, but I'll be doing a full training camp there as well, which I'm actually, I'm actually really looking forward to. It's it's going to be a hell of an adventure. <laughs> That was the one um, I remember reading Amber Neben's blogs from that racing block and just laughing. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's just amazing. It's just it's just a completely different world, and so it, that comes with its own little package of eccentric adventures that we we went into. Somewhere I have on video the whole um, race caravan being guided through traffic and. It, against against the flow of traffic by the police just to get to the race start on time. <laughs> I'll have to pull that up at some point because it's brilliant. Awesome. But moving on because it's quick fire questions, ladies. Yes, yes, quick. Would you rather eat a mermaid, harpoon a whale, or club a baby seal? Have to do one. What was the first one? Eat a mermaid. Harpoon eat a mermaid. Eat a mermaid, yeah. harpoon a whale, or club a baby seal? I, I'd eat a mermaid. Would you cook okay. it? Would you cook it first? No, it's better like sashimi. <laughs> and, and we're speaking to an actual certified marine biologist. Exactly. Peoples. I'm impressed she knows. It's amazing. All right. Um, the world's going to end in 30 seconds unless you make out with Pat McQuaid. Do you save the world or <laughs> all die together? I would make out with him on behalf of the rest of the world, but then I would have to smack him afterwards. Ooh. Excellent. Oh, I've heard he likes that, though. So, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite favorite kind of cheese? Um, I would have to go with anything really rich and soft, something along the lines of brie. Okay. How come, as an oceanographer, mermaids don't have crinkly skin from all that time in the water? It has to do with their phospholipid membranes and the and the homeoviscous adaptation to the temperature of the waters in which they live. I think that's bullshit, but it's so good we can't tell. <laughs> I know, and used really big words. That was awesome. If you could magically change one thing in women's cycling, what would it be? It would be that we would have, well, I was going to, there's like eight things that I want to spit out at one time. Exactly. That's the point of this question. That's so hard. Um, More races. More races. That would be, I would have to prioritize that above everything else. Awesome. Okay. So now, speaking as a um, as a, on a on a purely personal level, who's your favorite woman rider? Um, just on personality, I think, and overall, as as an overall rider, I really like Ina Tutenberg. She is she's just funny and hilarious. I'll never forget the first time I met her was in the states at a stage race. I was guest riding for Webcore before I signed with them, and I was on the start line next to her, and the, the race official came over. And started yelling at us. She said, I've lost my loudspeakers, so I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to yell at you guys. And Ina was standing next to me, and she goes, oh, whatever, you stupid bitch. You love to yell at us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I, so nervous. But when she said that, I just died laughing, and my nerves were gone, and I just knew instantly that she was going to be a writer that I really liked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have fantasies about making Ina the head of the UCI. Because I can just imagine her. What do you mean we can't do it? Make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) She wouldn't take shit from anyone. (laughs) Uh, Genius. Awesome. So who is your least favorite rider then? That's a mean and horrible question. 
Well, it depends. <laughs> I mean, I didn't ask favorite pro, uh, least favorite pro rider or least favorite woman rider. I mean, you've got a broad selection here. You can just say Jimmy shitbags from down the street and no one will know. <laughs> Except for Jimmy. He, he'll take it personally. But I would say any jerk-faced rider who's out on a group ride and making anyone else feel, feel bad for being on their bike. Diplomacy. Okay. Diplomacy in action. <laughs> to be or not to be? To be. Duh. <laughs> and this one's really important. I need you to concentrate, Amber. This is the last question. Yes. Congratulations on making it this far, but your test result will depend entirely on your answer to this question. If you could oh. pick one Australian to travel to Europe and tool around all the races, drinking beer and being obnoxious, who would it be? It would be Dan. Duh. Incorrect answer. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, winner. 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 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Amber. Um, I uh, I think one of the things we just want to ask you is, before we go, do you have anyone you want to thank or want to tell us about how great they are? Well, yeah, obviously, um, one of one of one company that's been a great supporter of me and and women cycling in general, but um, they're the ones that have really made this uh, Q and A session happen in the first place. Was Glacier Glove and um, a little PR company out of Reno called Impetus, uh, the Impetus Agency. And those two together are the ones that helped me get the Q&A thing off the ground, and they've been really, really supportive this whole time. So I'd really like to, to thank them for, for their help and, and show them some love too. And, um, yeah, if you guys – if anyone out there happens to be needing to train in cold weather, check out Glacier Gloves because they're the bomb. And I don't say that lightly. I don't, I'm not the kind of person that plugs sponsors just for the sake of plugging sponsors. I, I only work with people that I like and products that I believe in, and they happen to be both. So anyway, check them out if you get a chance. I've heard rumors that Glacier Gloves have actually saved people from hypothermia. It's also possible that I started that rumor just now, but... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. <laughs> Well, I've heard that they've given a 20% off, 25% off code if you do want to buy Glacier Glove. Um, if you use the code AMBER, um, they give 25% off on their web store. So thank you very much. Yeah, to, that's um, right. Amber, yeah, that's right. So the promo code is just AMBER, um, all lowercase, and yeah, automatic 25% off. So if you guys are wondering about Christmas presents, there you go. Excellent. And um, do you get more or less off if you use AMBERosa? We'll have to we'll have to think about that one. We'll have to come up with something it for that. Could be a taller discount, but slender. So it's <laughs> I don't know how that works. As long as you include slender, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we go, the other thing um, that we wanted to ask is uh, obviously Click Through Thursday will continue. We're looking forward already to next Thursday. Um, but obviously to, to rounding up the end of this Thursday. What else have we, we got coming up um, that you're aware of in terms of new media ventures or um, initiatives related to, to all of this? Um, well, Click Through Thursday is going to definitely, we're going to try to keep that going into the future. And I'd like to 
yeah, just build on it every week and just and continue continue that momentum that we've already got going with it. Um, and of course, I'll continue with the Q and A sessions. And like I said, we're we're going to look at nailing down a date for that probably next Sunday, and I'll be posting a time on Twitter. Um, so it'd be great to get more people um, coming into that and 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 starting those conversations too. And probably more than one. I actually do have more than one iron in the fire at this point with a couple of other projects going, but. Um, they're a little bit too much in the early stages to be able to say anything just yet, but I will. I'll definitely keep you guys posted as as things move forward. Excellent. And what's your what's your first race back in 2013? It's actually going to be the tour in Costa Rica, so that'll be in February. Cool. So if you're taking a, a vacation to Costa Rica in February, feel free to to swing by and check out the race, people. Yeah, actually, Catherine Bertine is um, doing a bike tour there, and she has a very special guest, uh, four-time Ironman world champion Chrissy Wellington is going to be joining. So if any of you have an inkling to go do a bike tour and um, tropical, sunny Costa Rica sounds appealing, you'll be in some very, very good company. Indeed. Or you can pay pay to take me. It's it's totally your choice. (laughs) Very different kind of experience, but... You know, <laughs> but equally wonderful. <laughs> well, I couldn't say that because that would sound rude. But yes, I'm glad you did. <laughs> I took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your time with us, Amber. We really appreciate it. Well, thank yeah, you guys. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time, and and this is really cool. So, thanks for having me on the show. And we'll put some links to Amber links on um, including the 25 things about her where you can find about her find about her past as a hatchet thrower <laughs> and how she performed surgery on a tuna fish. We'll put all the links that we can find and things like that on our blog, prowomenscycling.com. So if you're listening to that and you haven't seen the blog, click through and then you'll be able to find all the Amber links and don't forget to click them on Click Through Thursday. Well, you, you can click Thank them you. before, but click them again on Thursday. Just click them twice. Yeah. yeah, and then send them to friends and get your friends to click them. This is how it works, people. Just click. It's the beauty of it. Click. It's easy. It's easy. And on that note, we bid you all adieu. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.